Thank you for joining us today for the ministry of the word at Foundation Church. We pray that what you hear today will be as much of a blessing for you as it was for the people of our congregation. Well, greetings this Lord's Day in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our King. Today we come before the Lord rejoicing that we have been invited to the great feast. Amen. The Bible says that our God has set forth the table and he has put on there every good and wonderful thing and he has sent out an invitation, but a lot of the world didn't want to come. But instead, he sent us out to go, it says, into the highways and the byways and compel them to come, that, there, that people may come and eat in the house of God. Amen? And so we have come and we've invited people to be with us and some of them have answered that invitation and they're here with us today. Psalm 149 from last week's our call to worship today. And it says, praise ye the Lord. Everybody say Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah in Hebrew means praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him and let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance and let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory and let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute judgment upon them as it is written. They have honor, have all the saints. Praise ye the Lord. Everybody say hallelujah. Please remain standing for just a little bit more here. I'm going to read. You got your Bible reading in today. Lots of scriptures been read and you're hearing the Bible says faith comes by hearing God's word. So hopefully you'll leave today with a lot more faith than you came with. Amen. My sermon today is called praise him for his excellent greatness. It is. Uh, my text today is from Psalm 150 and I'm just going to go ahead and read the entire of the psalm and it's kind of an exciting journey I have preached through every chapter of the book of Psalms 150 Psalms isn't that amazing and uh, maybe after maybe after church or someone can tell me what this picture's from what's it, what it is uh, but can anyone see what that is here alright It will tie into the picture, to this sermon. My sermon today uh, comes from Psalm 150. I'll begin reading in verse 1, and it's a very short psalm, only six verses long. I'll read the whole thing. Praise ye the Lord, or hallelujah. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him with the timbrel and dance. And praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. And everybody say it with me. Praise ye the Lord. Or Hallelujah. All right, you may be seated. We finally come to the end, to the culmination or conclusion, the great convocation and crescendo of God's book of praise songs for his people. It certainly comes to a dramatic conclusion like the storm cloud cantata written by Australian composer Arthur Benjamin for the 1956 Alfred Hitchcock film, The Man Who Knew Too Much. That's what this is from here up on the board. 
If you've never seen the film, it begins and ends with the performance of this orchestral cantata in London's famous uh, Royal Albert Hall. It opens with this man here in uh, formal symphony costume holding two large golden symbols with the words, how a single crash of symbols and how it rocked the lives of an American family. The movie reaches its finale nearly two hours later as this same man with the symbols uh, comes crashing together, giving sound cover uh, of a gun that's firing being used in an assassination attempt of the prime minister. And they wrote the song and it builds, 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 and the movie, kaboosh, you know, at the end as the gun is fired. Like the last cataclysmic clap of the symbols coupled with Doris Day's shrill ear-piercing scream of the terror in the great hall as the gunman takes aim. She's helpless to stop him. Psalm 150 is an explosive crash of the symbols and praise to God, which completes the whole book of Psalms or what is called the Psalter. As we heard from Nehemiah chapter 12, I don't know if you were listening, but there was quite a vision set out for the dedication of the temple that had been rebuilt there in uh, Jerusalem after it had been destroyed by the Babylonians. They rebuilt the temple, they rebuilt the walls, and there was a dedication of it all. I can almost see the great opposing mass choirs of Israel singers rising on the great ancient stones around Jerusalem, calling and responding through this glorious song echoing over Mount Zion. I've heard it described uh, in other places and other times when Israel would gather together as four different choirs of around 20,000 people. I don't know if you can picture this. You have one choir, uh, two choirs of men, two choirs of women, all of these leading the whole nation gathered together around Jerusalem by the tens and hundreds of thousands leading them in the worship of the Lord. Deep bass men's voice blending with converging and contrasting alto voices and tenors as they follow the strong soprano energy and exultation of the song. All of this to the backdrop of a multitude of musicians orchestrating their chords, harmonies, rhythms, and strings, wood and brass, wind instruments, drums, deep bass, vibrating gongs and triumphant, loud, everybody say loud. No. It's funny, we go, I don't know if it should be loud or not. Well, we got Psalm 150, it says loud. Everybody say loud. You can even say loud, loud. You want to try to say loud, loud? All right. Loud, triumphant, crashing, high-sounding cymbals. And as they sing this psalm, the song of 150, I can imagine featuring each musical instrument mentioned prominently like groups often do in modern concerts. I don't know if you've been to a concert and they're playing their music. There's a drum solo or there's a saxophone solo or... Uh, lead guitar, uh, highlighting the skill of each member of the assembly and the beauties of each distinct sound made by each instrument. Even something as background as the bass guitar normally holding down the rhythm uh, and adding depth comes out in the open as they're popping and, and slamming, you know, and, and they do all of those incredible, I looked up the, actually the words, popping, slapping, punching, and even there's one that says they can make a bass, they can make it growl, you know. All of these wide range of available contributions to the whole of the music, as the people of God lifted up their voice in praise. You know, God has given us music to show how different and distinct all of us can be one from another. You know, we live in a world that wants to conform us to all look alike to sound alike, to have all the same haircut, to wear the same clothes. Has God made it that way? No. I mean, when you look at uh, our brothers on the back row from uh, Haiti, uh, when, you, when you look at Tony sitting next to them, they, they, God makes us look different, right? Some of us are big, some of us aren't so big, some of us are skinny, some of us have a little extra around the middle or around everywhere. 
uh, whatever it is, God has made us all uniquely different. In the world of wildlife, we see the elephant and we see the giraffe and we see the rhino. And what you should see there is difference. Difference, but it all works together in what they call, you know, what has often been called the circle of life. But God has given music to show how all of us can be different from one another, but we all have something to contribute. Together, following the lead of the Spirit, we can make world-changing music together. Our differences from one another actually create the harmonies. The different paths we take on our perspective pages of notes create sounds that none of us can make on our own, but only materialize between us, amazing and exciting us. You know, I don't know if anybody's willing to try it, but if I say, you know, if I went, amen, amen, right? And together, all of a sudden, there's a new sound. Can you hear a sound that's not me and it's not you? Amen. You hear the buzzing of that harmony. It's not me. It's not you. It's something in between. I believe it is here that God, the greatest singer of it all, joins us in our song, singing the song of praise about himself. Now we might think, well, that's kind of funny that God would sing a song of praise about himself, but there's nothing and nothing and no one higher than God. And if he's going to sing about anything, singing about himself is the perfect thing to sing about. He points us to the true north of all creation himself. He can and should be proud of himself for his virtue. And for him, it is a virtue. If you're proud You're just foolish, but when God is proud, he's right. Isn't that funny? (laughs) Amen. So let's look together at these six verses of Psalm 150 and see what God will say to us today. Psalm 150 does not have an inspired heading, helping us to know the circumstances that the psalm was written like many others have, uh, or even giving us the name of the author. It is, however, the last of the five in the Hallelujah Chorus that puts a cap on the book of Psalms, reminding us what the entire book is about. And this is a book about and for praise. Praise is not merely saying nice things about God, like we say, you know, uh, you know, giving a child praise. Oh, you're nice. You're a good singer. You're sweet. You know, pray. No, praise is much more than that. It's a deeper kind of praise. The book of Psalms teaches us that the kind of praise that God wants, the kind of praise that we should offer God is one that transcends the simple meaning of compliments and fills a much larger space. Praise and petition, praise and confession, praise and contrition and conclusion. Praise ye the Lord. Everybody say hallelujah. With all that we have, we lay out all that we are before the Lord, a living sacrifice to him. He responds with the fire of the Holy Ghost upon us and gives us new words, new tongues, new songs of praise for the one who has brought us out of darkness and translated us into his marvelous and unchanging light. These five are called the Hallelujah Chorus because they all begin and end with the Hebrew word, Hallelujah! Praise ye the Lord. Translated as a phrase because the single word is Uh, you know, needs a little explanation for us in our language. So today, as we look into these words of God, curious as the angels once were about God's plan of redemption, let us see how these words should affect our own praise today. So Psalm 150 begins with praise ye the Lord. And when I say praise ye the Lord, can we say it again? Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Perhaps the groups that were around the choirs, could you imagine singing hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. It could have begun something like that as, all, as the choirs tuned up and, and the four individual parts sang hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Next thing you know, a four-part harmony of hallelujah lifted up to God. The whole host ringing out a call to praise to God. Imagine these words are not just words. These, this is a song. 
So when it came out, it wasn't just like, praise the Lord. It was hallelujah. Then perhaps all of them started singing in harmony together. My, my brother actually wrote a song years ago called Harmony. And I love the idea behind it. And uh, it says, it says, um, one can sing their song and sing the melody so strong. I'm sure the world would hear. But when two would join together, helping one another, the melody becomes harmony. And the song would sound much better, but with three or more and a choir or more, oh, our song would ring together. Cause I know when we agree, our song becomes harmony. Isn't that kind of pretty? Isn't that a beautiful, a beautiful truth and a, and a, a beautiful picture of what's going on? We don't have to be the same. We don't have to all have the same gifts. We don't have to say the same sound but we serve the same God. To praise God in his sanctuary is to praise God in his holiness, in his uniqueness outside of creation, in the heavenlies beyond the heavens, in the infinity of his unapproachable light, beyond the imaginations and explorations of all that he has made. You know, uh, the deacons, we were up here talking and, and we kind of get the idea that the center of everything that's going on in God's life is planet Earth. It's the most interesting thing going on. It's the most uh, enthralling and, and important thing going on in the whole wide world. Now the Bible says that God has made us the apple of his eye. And I'm glad that he, he sees us that way, but we need not to see him that way. We need to not see him that way, that somehow that we are the most important thing in the whole world to ourselves. We can't be the apple of our eye. We can be the apple of his eye. We need to understand that God is outside of creation as well as within it with us. This great declaration strikes a lofty tone. The big God tone often overlooked today where man has made himself so big, bigger than God. Today, even our churches talk about God being our co-pilot or our walking buddy or our absent-minded father made in our own image. This is what idolaters of all time have done, creating so-called gods in their own image and in their own likenesses. We have made ourselves the center of the universe, acting as if that we think or what we feel somehow supersedes the God of heaven. You know, it doesn't really matter what we think. Sometimes we go, we want to accuse God. Something happens in our life and we go, that wasn't fair. What you did was wrong, folks. We can't say that about God. God is good. Amen. He's not absent. He wasn't, he wasn't missing when these things went on in your life that you feel are unfair to you. You might go, then why did they happen? Well, the Bible says, who are you, O oh man, to reply against God? So you might go, well, that kind of sounds mean. No, it's not mean. It's putting you in your place. The Bible says, hath not the, 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 the potter power over the clay? Hasn't the one that made you, doesn't he have the power to make you for what he wants you to be made for? And we say somehow this is not fair. You might not see it as fair, but you need to come to understand your place in the universe. And it is not at the top, there is one at the top and it is God himself. Man who can now build the likes of the Hubble spacecraft or now has the hopes of one day taking men to Mars thinks he is capable of destroying the world with his great weapons of mass destruction or biological warfare. He has become very big in his own eyes and God to him has become very small. These opening words in Psalm 50 remind us to praise God in his own sanctuary, not in ours. And when I say that, I don't mean we're not to praise him here, but we need to understand that God is bigger than us. In his own grandeur, in his greatness, beyond our ability even to comprehend or to call removing 
ourselves from being our own idol. And it is a call to do this, returning to the unchanging reality that God is bigger than our fears and our failures. He's bigger even than our our successes and our achievements. He is Lord over all. Say hallelujah. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise God as great as we can do any action in answer to his own greatness above all things. The heavens above the heavens. So imagine the psalm is beginning with the phrase, you know, hallelujah, you know, praise God. And so this song starts off with a, 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 an explosion, kaboom, right? But it doesn't calm down in verse 2. Verse 2, praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. When we think of God and his mighty acts, I'd like to ask the question today, has God done anything for you? You might be here today and you might have not said yes because you may not even know it, but God has done some great things for you. There was a great gulf fixed between you and God, the gulf of sin that forbid you from even living in eternity forever with God. To be forever corrupt was not an option. Corruption and sin and rebellion already had a destination and it was the lake of fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Choosing to follow after his own will and break God's law, our forefather Adam lost his first estate as did the angels that fell from heaven with Lucifer. Redeeming us to our former estate in a beautiful sinlessness and unity with God was beyond our ability. We had a need, we had a debt, we had a deficit, we had an inability to do anything about it. We could not do it if we had wanted to do it, but the truth was we didn't even want to do it. We were without hope, we were not seeking God, bound and dead in our trespasses and sins. You might be here today and you might be here because someone invited you, but you might might not think that you have a need for God, but I'm telling you right now that according to God's word, that without him, There is no door to heaven. All there is is a wall. And you come before the wall and you want to come inside, but you cannot come in. There is something that separates you from God that is higher than you can scale, that is thicker than you could possibly smash through. And you are outside in outer darkness and misery and hopelessness is all that you have before you on your own. Everybody say, but God. Ephesians chapter 2 says this, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, came to earth, a man in the person of Jesus Christ, to give us a door into heaven. Wherefore, and before there was only a wall, he opened the heavens to you and me, and that's just a starter. So has God done anything for you? Yes, he has. Amen. But even though it's only a starter, it's good enough starter to call you to praise him for his mighty acts. There are too many numbers to number all the world, the Bible says, could not contain the books that could record the good works that he did even when he was here as a man on earth. Praise him for his mighty acts. Can we say, praise ye the Lord? Praise ye the Lord. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. He didn't need to do anything for you to be great. He was already great. Beyond you and the mercy and compassion that he has shown, he is and already was the definition of good. The definition and embodiment of great. His excellent greatness demands our praise, the praise of all creation. Our Lord and our Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. David the psalmist cried out in Psalm 8, He asked the question, who has set thy glory above the heavens? When I consider the heavens, the works of thy hands, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you pay him any attention at all? I was telling James back here uh, who fixed our wall for us. And, you know, we should show him a little love, guys, by at least painting over the beautiful work that he did, right? And I told him, I said, you know, I didn't, I didn't recognize you. He was covered in all kinds of, you know, stuff and 
They'd been grinding and had powder in his hair. I thought your, I thought your hair was all gray. See, you know, just a little bit gray, but not all the way gray. And he was covered in all kinds of mortar and whatever. You know, I'm like, I, you cleaned up nice. In that time, you know, we should look at ourselves. We say, what are we? What are we that God should pay any attention to us? Who are we? Look at us. We're just these lowly creatures here, you know, making our way and, and living our life. What is, what is it? But the Bible tells us that God loves us. And, and so you, don't, you, don't, you may say, well, I'm not lovable. Nobody likes me. Nobody cares about me. You can't say that. He loves you. God loves you. God has been preparing you for this day your whole life. He's been bringing you to this moment in life where you can praise him and you can say, hallelujah, praise ye the Lord. He's provided a way of salvation for me. It doesn't matter what I've done. It doesn't matter how messed up my life has been. It doesn't matter if I've never been loved or no one's ever cared about me. I've just come to understand that God loves me. He's prepared a way of salvation for me. And we can say, praise ye the Lord. Verse 3, praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. When we come to these instruments, the first metal wind-powered instrument here that is known for its regal announcement of kings that goes before nations going to war. They had these, they had all kinds of trumpets. They had little short guys that are more like a bugle and they had these big, long, you know, and they go, they would blow these trumpets. A lot of it is uh, controlled by the, uh, the pursing of the lips. Even though there's no stops to move with your finger, these trumpets, depending on how they release air with their lips and how their lips vibrate together, you know, those are the, the ways that they go up and down with the notes. God is amazing. You have to understand that a trumpet is merely uh, something that's down in the earth, in the dirt, metal, fragments of metal that are melted and then formed and then blown through with your lips. Have you guys ever heard Phil Driscoll play the trumpet? You ever hear... The, the amazing, beautiful music that can come. Some of the saddest music in the world can be trumpet music, but some of the happiest music in the world can be the trumpet as well. The skill here is praise. This is where I'm wanting to get, you know, these musicians practice, they've been getting together regularly. They've been and learning how to play chords on the piano and on these stringed instruments. And, and this is worship, folks. Worship can be a sound. It doesn't have to be a word. You might say, I don't have anything that I can say. I don't, I don't know how to pray. I, I, what I say maybe even comes out of my mouth is stupid. Well, the Bible say that, that our sound is worship to God. As I wrote here, note that praise is a wordless thing. Here it is a sound, not a lyric. It could not, it could no doubt praise the Lord. No singer accompanying it. Praise did not have to be spoken. Some of us have trouble speaking or singing in public, carrying a tune or creating poetry. But the sounds that we make can praise the Lord. And as you will see, there are none who cannot find some way to praise the Lord in sound or song and poetry playing of an instrument our joyful sounds are accepted by God for his excellent greatness if you remember praise makes us beautiful to God the Bible says he takes pleasure in his people you might say well I wish someone would take pleasure in me no one seems to like me and well then sing a song God loves to hear your song. He's listening. He is, you know, imagine having a little child. Maybe, all, maybe some of you have children, some of you don't, but imagine having a little child or just being with a little child and, and you hear that little child singing. Our, we have a family memory of our little daughter, Rebecca, singing, I surrender all, right? Yes, no. And you know what? I wasn't going, uh, I don't know if she's at the right key. Uh, no, what we were doing, we were just like, like, honey, listen to this. Listen to this. You know, she's like, ah, it's a window. Oh, you know, whatever it is. 
It's beautiful. Made us smile. Filled us with joy. Do you know when God looks at our song, you may not see yourself as that little child of God, but the Bible says, beloved, now are we the sons of God? We're his little children. He's not wanting us to just be servants that work for him or people that got out of a jam he did a favor for. No, he says, no, you are, you are my children. You are heirs of things eternal. Praise him with the psaltery in the harp. You'll often see these two instruments paired together in scripture because of their similarity. The psaltery is a larger harp, not easily moved from place to place. It's, it's heavier. It's got oftentimes a big post, you know, sometimes it's more like the big harp, you know, that's what the psaltery is. Strings stretched over an opening that can be played from either side by both hands or one. But the harp is a little smaller version of it can be held right in the hand. You can, you can even be going on a trip, you know, you're walking down the road, you know, you're, you're like, you know, on the road again. You know. Anyway, I thought you guys might like a little Willie Nelson. All right. But usually, you know, this instrument, this is the picture here. And what, what I believe is being communicated is here. Have you ever guys, the, the sound of, of a harp is a very peculiar sound. It's light, right? It's, it was perfect for the hillsides of Bethlehem. For David, he perfected the sounds with his harp. His father, Jesse, uh, probably didn't even know half the songs that he had written, you know. Sometimes my kids will show me a picture or, or they'll go, Dad, 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 do you want to hear the song that, that I came up with, you know? And, 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 and Jesse, busy being, you know, doing whatever he was doing with all his big family, you know, like, oh, that's nice, that's nice. David, David might have written this song. Hey, Dad, you want to hear my song? Praise ye the Lord. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Oh, you go, David. You're, you're, you're doing a good job there. You just, you know, I'm, I'm on Facebook right now. I ain't got time for that. But God's listening. The airy dreamlike tones of the psaltery and harp lifted the mind to the realities of angels and other dimensions. If you remember that when uh, Saul was plagued by evil spirits, he called for a, a musician to come and David came and played and the spirits didn't like it. Why? Because they were hearing a, a young man. He wasn't just playing an instrument. What was he doing? Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. Demons don't like that. No, they don't. Praise him with the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and harp. Praise him for his excellent greatness. Can we say hallelujah? hallelujah? Verse number four, praise him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise him with the stringed instruments and organs. You might go, you know, why is he just making a list? He's, he's not trying to just make a list anymore that we're just trying to see how many instruments we can get. But I can tell you if we had 10 more, we wouldn't have too many. We worship the Lord. We want to do it together. It is, not a, it is not a spectator sport. Praise is a participation activity. We all should be clapping our hands. We can be raising our hands. We can be banging wood sticks together. You might go, oh, I don't know about all of that. Well, we'll see. Praise is something that comes from the heart of man out of love for God. It is not something we're doing to impress anybody. It's not something that needs to take incredible skill. But we can offer up all that we have in skill. And God finds it beautiful when we do excellent work, when we take the time to make it lovely. But he also loves it when we offer him just what we have. So what do you have? Are you wanting to give it to God? Did you know that he thought that was beautiful? Offer it to him. God has beauty for your life. It doesn't matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done. The Bible says he can take a life that is crimson stained with sin. He can take a life that is pretty much ashes. And the Bible said he will give us beauty for ashes. He will take our sins. It says though they were scarlet, they will make us white 
is wool. When you go, I've done too much. I'm so bad. If I come in the church, the church is going to fall in on me. If the people in this building knew what I did and who I was, I shouldn't be here. No, 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 no. Let me just tell you what, you can't have done anything too bad to depress God. You can't do anything good enough to impress him either. He finds you beautiful and lovely and loves to hear your song. And he has invited you into his presence to praise ye the Lord. And we're here today to praise the Lord. We're here every week praising the Lord. You should wake up every day praising the Lord. You should lay upon your bed praising the Lord. You should go to bed at night and say, Praise to the Lord, the Almighty, the King of creation. We should be filling our minds and our hearts and our life with praise. The world wants to fill us with distraction. The world wants to fill us with entertainment. We feel anxious and and we say, "I, I can't stand the silence. Well, fill the silence with your praise. Fill the silence with songs of praise. Put on a, a beautiful group. I love to listen to Selah. Or, and, and they're singing their song and I'm like, I can't sing as good as those guys, but I love to just sing the praises of God with them. What the devil wants you to do is to do anything but praise the Lord. We talked a great deal about this whole timbrel and dance thing last week. The timbrel is a small handheld percussion instrument, which is a combo of a little drum and these little tiny cymbals made to be held while you're doing a little jig, doing a little dance. The timbrel and dance is mentioned several times together as a picture of joy. Like Miriam, she grabbed up her timbrel as she began to dance, right? The Lord has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. I will sing unto the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider thrown into the sea. I mean, guys, I'm telling you, they had something to sing about. 400 years of slavery, 400 years of being mistreated, 400 years of trouble and difficulty and no hope and no nation and no freedom. And now they're on the other side of the Red Sea and they got a timbrel and they're like, oh yeah, look, uh, see, see Pharaoh. See the guy that took away our straw and made us make no bricks without it. See the guy who thought he was in charge that made us build pyramids to his false gods. See that guy who piled up gold inside a stone and he thinks that somehow in the afterlife he's going to be able to eat the stupid food that they're putting in his grave. But the only thing that's ever going to eat it is maggots and spiders and whatever can fit in there and mice are going to chew it all up. They don't know God. They don't know anything about God, but we do. Our God is great and he's greatly to be praised. Oh, God is great. And my soul when they're doing a little and you go what's that all about that's praise that's praise you know sometimes we get convinced that the world's right about what they're all doing and what they're all saying and 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 they got the power and all that they do not have the power if you remember when Pilate looked he's like what's wrong with you Jesus don't you know that I have the power to let you go you know what he said no you don't you go, well, that, that, that was kind of like, huh. no, he's just telling the truth. Yeah, you think you got the power to let me go, Pilate, but you don't. People in this world, they think they have the power, they got the money, they got the influence, they can fix and rig and they can do what and they can take over and they can do coups and they can do all the things they can do. They can steal elections, they can do whatever they want to do. Oh, and we can't do anything about it. Let me tell you right now. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. The Bible tells us that God holds the future, that he has it in the palm of his hand, that our salvation is kept by the power of God, that nothing and no one can take us out of his hand, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. Not angels, not principalities, not powers, not things present or things to come, nothing in our past. And you might go, you don't know what I've done. God says, I can take whatever is in your past and I can wash it with my blood and I can cast it away from you as far as the east is from the west. Never to be remembered against you anymore. Praise the Lord of heaven who has come and done marvelously for his excellent greatness. Praise him with the stringed instruments. There were several different stringed instruments mentioned in the Old Testament scriptures. Some of them have, they have no idea even what they were. 
Some of them made deep sounds. Some of them made high sounds. It's like from the ukulele to the guitar to the sitar. Every noise, every sound, they're amazing and they're beautiful. And it gives us a picture that God is like this. That's what he sees us like. He's like, you know, you ever, you, you know, sometimes you're in the mood, you know, to hear a certain kind of music, you know, God sometimes gets to where he really enjoys you in the sounds that you make. Praise the Lord for his excellent greatness with every kind of stringed instrument. When we come to the term organs, this is uh, apparently they say, now I don't really know for sure and they don't either, but what we call an unfortunate translation. It is the Hebrew word ugav, and ugav is translated four times in the Bible as organ, two times in the book of Job, once in the book of Genesis chapter four, when, when Jubal Cain, the son of Cain, uh, uh, was the father of those that make music, he was the father of the organ. As we get to worshiping with the organ, the only organ known by historians to have existed at that time might be what they call a water organ, or it's kind of like a pipe organ, only it's run by the sound of water. But it is unlikely that we will ever know what it was. But what I think it's fun here is that there is a mystery, that there are songs, that there are music, there are sounds that we are yet to even discover, things that have been lost. Have you ever heard someone say, you know what, I have forgotten more than you'll ever know? You ever heard anybody say that? The, the Bible tells us there's nothing new under the sun, right? There are instruments that we can make. We can make an instrument that ne there's never even been one. We could offer up our praise on that instrument. Don't be hindered by the creativity of the world. We should be the most creative praisers. We should be looking for ways to bring sound and beauty and loveliness and praise to God. We come to verse five and I'm trying to wind up here in the last two verses here. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Everybody say loud. I don't know if things should be loud in the church. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Somebody say loud. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Now, you know, I did a little research into this uh, topic because, you know, to me, like he already said cymbals. Why is he going to say cymbals again? What's going on here? And the idea of cymbals is about, do you guys know what makes the sound of a cymbal? It's vibration. Okay. How many have ever been, you know, driving down Stringtown Road, you know, you're on your way to rallies or uh, Chick-fil-A or if you're with the Robinettes, maybe over at Lone Star. I don't know. Right, right, Rachel. We, get, we went to Lone Star, didn't we? And, if you're there, and all of a sudden some guy pulls up behind you and your car is going. Bzzz, bzzz. I'm, like, I'm like, what in the world's going on? Our window's like, bzzz, right? You know, what is that? That's some serious bass is what that is. Some subwoofers, right? Rocking out the bass. Bzzz, you know, what is that? Vibration is sound. That's what is, that is what God is calling out here in verse five. The loud symbols and the high sounding symbols are praise to God in different, uh, different levels of sound, high frequency and low frequency. And you might go, well, I don't know if, I don't really know if that, that's all about. Do you know God has given us music? He's given us sound. Do you know God hears things that we cannot even hear? Animals hear things that we cannot even hear. Some animals make sounds that we can't hear, but that doesn't mean God can't hear them. How many people know about a dog whistle? Everybody knows about that, right? You go, and we're like, it's not doing anything. Everybody say, yeah, it is. How do you know that? Because my dog knows it. My dog's like, hey, 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 what, what's going on, right? But most people don't know about these far more amazing things in creation. I thought I'd share them with you here to give us something. There is a thing called the greater wax moth. And you go, oh, wow, that sounds, that sounds great. <laughs> it can hear frequencies. So a dog hears about 40 and it's these hertz, okay? I'm, I'm not going to try to get too scientifically, but it's something, something hurts, you know, whatever it is. But 40. The, 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 the highest animal maybe that you might recognize is the porpoise, the bottlenose porpoise. Uh, it can hear 140, okay? But there's this one animal, it can hear 
300. Like, can you imagine even how high that could possibly be? This greater wax moth hears this, and there's a reason he can hear it, Jason, because his main predator is this thing that flies around in the darkness in the middle of the night and who sends out high frequency things to locate him so he can eat him, called the bat. And he sends out those high frequency things, Joy, but the moth can hear them. Now, what's funny about this, and we don't have time to go in it all today, but the evolutionists are really messed up by this because they said, we don't understand. The moth came around before the bat, but somehow the, the moth had the ability to avoid the bat before there was a bat. That doesn't make sense. That doesn't fit our model of, of natural selection and, and, and all that. It messes us up. And they said, well, all right. So the great scientific people have been writing papers and, and coming to the conclusion that it must have just happened by accident. That's, that's their great wise uh, conclusion written in a 500-page paper, how the wax moth happened to already have hearing enough to hear its best predator before its best predator was ever made. Isn't that kind of funny? You know, God does these kind of things to laugh at men who think they're smart, who think they know a lot. We were just at Henry Ford's museum, and a lot of people don't know that the great inventor, George Washington Carver, who invented 300 uses for the peanut. I don't know if you guys know him. He was a, a, a beautiful black man. He was friends with Henry Ford, and uh, he held a Bible study every day. And uh, he, he said, he said, I said this prayer. Oh, God, I want to know everything there is to know about nature. And he said, God spoke back to him and said, George, that's too much. He said, so he prayed again. He said, okay, Lord, I want to know everything there is about the peanut. He said, God replied back, George, that's too much too. You could spend your whole life trying to learn about the peanut and you're not going to learn about the peanut. In a whole lifetime of study, there's more to know about the peanut than you'll ever know in a lifetime of learning. Isn't that beautiful? All right, can I, can I give you one more? I love science, okay, guys? So they were, this tingle, this quiver, this, this Hebrew word for that is, is about this bass and about these treble, about these sounds, maybe even that we can't hear, but there's a vibration that affects us. There are whales, and whales make these noises that are so deep that they cannot be heard by human ears, but they can be heard a long way away. And I asked my kids to guess, who, who can guess how far away a whale can be heard in its deep, deep tones in the ocean? Anybody want to guess? How much? 300 miles, that's a pretty good guess. Anybody else? 400, all right, she's a smart girl, right? She's gonna. 400 miles, 500, keep guessing. All right, this is not an auction. The sound of a whale can be heard in the ocean 10,000 miles away underwater with the deep sounds. Because the frequency is so low, nothing inhibits and it goes through the water up to 10,000 miles. And they're discovering that they can communicate even that far away through the deep, deep sounds that God has given them. So everything that hath breath, praise the Lord. A whale has breath. A whale makes its deep sounds from the breath inside of it. The moth understands and hears. The bat generates these sounds. What are they? They are evidences of the mighty beautifulness of God and the power of music that is given even to all of his creation. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. The elephant can be heard over six miles away in its deep and they discovered this in 1984. Elephants hear each other uh, up to six miles away in these deep, deep tones through the air. And uh, the, it was discovered as someone was walking through uh, a, an area where elephants were and there were no elephants anywhere near that they could see, but their ears began to buzz as though there was like a, there was like a, you know, like a bug near their ear, but there wasn't there. And they kept noticing and noticing. They got, they got a, a, a recorder and they began to record it and they found out this is the sound that an elephant is making. It's causing their whole body to vibrate and it's like a mile away. Isn't that amazing? Anyway, you guys get this for extra. I'm not gonna charge y'all any extra for that scientific fun information, but it looks like James looked like he's liking it back there. 
Psalm 150 ends with, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. It applies to all of us, all of nature. God enjoys uh, the sound of the humpback whale, of the elephant, of the bat, of the greater wax moth, but he enjoys your sounds even better. He wants to hear you praising him on the sound that you make, whacking a cymbal, hitting a gong, where it goes, that deep sound of a gong. That's what we got, these loud cymbals, the high-sounding cymbals. God wants to hear us playing on our guitars or ukuleles or violins or harps or organs or whatever we got. We let everything that hath breath praise the Lord, every sound that we make. We should be looking for a way to praise the Lord for his excellent Greatness. Can we say thanks be to God? I'm going to read one, Psalm 150 in the Amplified and we'll be done for today. And uh, what a great day the Lord has given us and what a great conclusion God has given us to the Psalms. Praise ye the Lord. You can do it. There's going to be another one at the end. You know, they're called the Hallelujah Psalms because there's a Hallelujah to start them and a Hallelujah to end them. Five psalms in a row at the end. Praise ye the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him for his mightiness in the heavens. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to the abundance of his greatness. Praise him with the trumpet sound. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with stringed instruments and the flute. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Praise him with the loud sounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath and every breath of life praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you for your goodness, your kindness and your mercy. We thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. Lord, as we end the time of hearing your word, we are now thinking about it. And, and Lord, we're going to take a few moments, Lord, to contemplate upon it, Lord. Maybe time to praise you. Maybe time to, to let our own sound be heard of praise before you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would change us and make us more like you today, that you would draw us nearer to our friends and to the people of our church, that we indeed might be that light that is on a hill that cannot be hid. In Christ's name we pray and all God's people said, amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. I pray your time with us was very encouraging. If it was, consider sending us a note and also consider partnering with us.